In tonight's gospel, we have once again one of these situations where uh, Jesus is being tested with the Pharisees. Um, the Pharisees are smart, they're intellectual, they're, they're sharp. And so they sort of call Jesus to his, his highest game. And so Jesus uh, stays right there with them and, and trades intellectual jabs with them. That's especially apparent in the latter part of this gospel. Um, but in the earlier one, it sounds like um, that uh, verbal sparring with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day is interrupted by the question of this lawyer, the question that, um, that sort of interrupts everything else and blurts out of all the commandments, of all the laws, Jesus, which one is the greatest? Which one do we have to pay the most attention to? If we can only put energy into one or two, which ones are they? And Jesus repeats what surely would have been familiar words. Um, Jesus' own rephrasing from that sentiment in, in Leviticus and, um, and throughout much of the Jewish scriptures. Um, that scripture known as the Shema. The hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Those of you who um, have spent some time in the Episcopal Church um, are familiar that in our Book of Common Prayer we have two rites. Uh, rite one is Elizabethan sounding language. It's, it's closest to the 1928 prayer book, which is closest to the old prayer book in the Church of England. And then there's, there's Rite two, the, the language that we use for most of our liturgies. Um, both have their, uh, their advantages and both in some instances have their disadvantages. There are aspects to write one that people miss when they uh, grew up hearing it and can almost recite it or can recite it. And then there are aspects to write two that really do get to the heart of the matter. And so it's, it's wonderful that they both are in our prayer book and we can use them privately and publicly. Um, in my former parish, uh, we used write one a lot. And so every time we celebrated the Holy Eucharist, um, people heard these words on page 324, um, summed up as the summary of the law. And the officiant or the priest would say at every single Eucharist, um, hear what our Lord Jesus Christ saith. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. I love that last phrase, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. It makes me uh, picture a lot of those colonial um, Episcopal churches where um, the Ten Commandments are, are literally hanging there on the wall. <laughs> um, usually the, the Ten Commandments and maybe the Lord's Prayer. And you can be, uh, be sure to know an American flag is not far away. <laughs> you can see these churches all up and down the East Coast especially. Um, but I like the idea that, um, that that central tenet, that central belief, loving a neighbor as oneself, um, is there greater than all of those others. Um, but it's probably the hardest to remember, isn't it? It's the hardest to put into action. 
It's the hardest to live and to, to keep praying and to keep, to keep trying to put before God as, as a place to be and a place to grow. Thinking of right one language and worship in my former church, I think of a particular uh, senior warden who was there. Her name was Nancy. And Nancy could be very, very funny. And um, usually a few times a, a year, she would repeat herself and, and corner me after the service. And she'd say, Father, she always would address me that way, Father, um, I know the Lord Jesus tells me I've got to love my neighbor. But I'm telling you what, sometimes I have to love my neighbor from across the street. <laughs> I loved her honesty because it, 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 it told me several things. One, she was still trying to love her neighbor. Two, it was hard. <laughs> um, it expresses an honesty that we all of us know. Um, it's hard to love our neighbor. Sometimes it's hard to like our neighbor. Uh, when neighbors live on either side of us or above us or underneath us, it can test the bounds of any faith. I used to visit a parishioner who lived in New Jersey, and she lived on the second floor of a two-story building. Um, but even if she pushed her chair back from the dining room table, the lady who lived under her would take a broom and ram it into the ceiling to, to fuss with her and say that she was being too loud. Um, it can be hard to love a neighbor like that, can't it? I think Jesus is calling us to try, nevertheless, uh, to love our neighbor, not necessarily to feel affection for a neighbor, not necessarily to wait until we have a, a kind of warm, gooey feeling for our neighbor, uh, but to put love into action for a neighbor, which is to say to pray for that neighbor, uh, to place them before God. Uh, maybe we can't feel warmly toward a neighbor, but we can pray that God would bless that person with all the good that we might want for ourselves. And that's all and everything Jesus is asking us to do in terms of loving our neighbor as ourself. Uh, to wish that God will give the other person every good gift that we ourselves have. Um, sometimes that can take all the faith we have, but at least it's an active faith. It's, it's a faith that, um, that can be filled with prayer, with practice, with intention. Um, and in so doing, we're getting about the work of loving our neighbor. Um, I've mentioned already that this is Reformation Sunday. And um, the Reformation 500 years ago um, set off a lot of change in, in religion, a lot of change in the Christian church. It also unleashed a lot of forces that many people wish had never been unleashed. Um, it was the direct cause of a whole lot of war. It was the direct cause of a lot of dissension, a lot of arguing, a lot of fighting in the churches that even comes down to this day. Um, little by little, churches and people of faith are trying to repair some of the distance that has been caused by the Reformation. And so we can give thanks for the positives of the reforming spirit, um, but also express uh, prayers of confession and um, ask God to forgive us for making such a mess out of what Christ imagines as his body, the church. Um, I often think that when God looks down at what we call the church, God sort of shakes God's head and says, that's not what I meant. 
Nevertheless, the church is human. Uh, this side of heaven, it's, it's, it's our best attempt at keeping a movement, but also keeping the movement accountable to scripture, to reason, to tradition. And so uh, taking that, that uh, Reformation motto, um, the church reformed, the church always reforming. Uh, we can pray that the Holy Spirit would continue to burn in each of us, in our churches, and help us to continue to reform, uh, to be the people that Christ imagines us to be. A big part of that involves praying for our enemies, praying for our neighbors, uh, loving our neighbors as ourselves. May the Holy Spirit empower us and enable us to continue being disciples of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.